We would like to take a moment to thank our sponsor, Preborn. When a mother meets her baby on an ultrasound and hears their heartbeat, it's a divine connection. And the majority of the time, she will choose life. But she can't do it without our help. Preborn needs us, the pro-life community, to come alongside her. One ultrasound is just $28. To donate, dial pound 250 and say the keyword baby or visit preborn.com. Jenna Ellis in the morning on American Family Radio. I love talking about the things of God because of truth and the biblical worldview. The U.S. Constitution obligates our government to preserve and protect the rights that our founders recognize come from God, our creator, not our government. I believe that scripture in the Bible is very clear that God is the one that raised up each of you and God has allowed us to be brought here to this specific moment in time. This is Jenna Ellis in the morning. Good morning. Good morning. And it is Tuesday, December 12th. And a headline from the Post Millennial this morning is that Iowa Governor Kim Reynolds is under fire over a satanic idol and altar on display at the Iowa State Capitol at Christmas time. Uh, there have been a lot of pictures, if you have seen this online, that an Iowa lawmaker has demanded that Governor Kim Reynolds remove the satanic display from the Iowa Capitol building. And there have been um, a number of people on social media that are uh, posting about Kim Reynolds and suggesting that she has allowed this to be installed in the Iowa State Capitol. Uh, but the Capitol uh, building is actually controlled by the state legislature. So why blame Governor Reynolds for this? So this narrative, in my opinion, it, that people are quick to retweet, appears to be an effort to undermine Kim Reynolds' credibility and thus her endorsement of Governor DeSantis with evangelicals right before the Iowa caucus. And so there's a lot more to this story, I think, than uh, just putting the blame squarely on Kim Reynolds. This is why we as conservatives and especially as Christians always need to go back and understand exactly what the truth of the matter is before just suggesting that this is the governor of Iowa's fault. Uh, the state legislature controls the Capitol building, and uh, this has really has nothing to do with her. Obviously, as Christians, uh, we would not support this type of display, but under the law and under the First Amendment and uh, the Iowa state constitution and the rules of the legislature so far, as one representative uh, noted on social media, that uh, anyone can petition any group to set up a Christmas display of their choosing, and the the Iowa uh, State Capitol Services cannot discriminate based on any particular religious belief or not religious belief. So uh, this is a story that's making the rounds, but uh, this is not, doesn't have anything to do with uh, Governor Reynolds. It has everything to do with the fact that we are a post-truth and post-God society, and the fact that the Satanic Temple would even want to do this in the first place. Uh, but th- let's get to our first guest, who is uh, our good friend, Representative Chip Roy. And this coming from uh, American Family News yesterday, following Representative Bob Good, who was on uh, this show yesterday morning. After the new House Speaker, uh, Mike Johnson, boasted about winning more time to fight for Republican beliefs, his GOP colleagues say that Democrats use that time to defend abortion and transgenderism in a vital defense spending bill, and also that 
uh, the FISA reforms may be pulled. So now the question is whether Republicans will cave to their political enemies. Sources on Capitol Hill are saying that the FISA bills have been officially pulled per sources amid backlash from the conference over a dueling approach. So good morning, uh, Representative Chip Roy. And where are we at with this? And uh, what is Speaker Johnson thinking here? Well, good morning, Jenna. Uh, great to be on. First, let me just start real quick. You, you nailed it with that issue out in Iowa with Kim Reynolds. Uh, that's something the legislature uh, is dealing with in terms of what their rules there, to my understanding there, the House and the Senate. And, uh, you know, maybe they should change those, but I do not believe that's something the governor has anything to do with. And it's just classic, you know, uh, making value decisions by social media uh, and using it to stir up the pot um, is something that people should probably address. I can't believe that that kind of a display is allowed. Um, it's just, you know, but at the, at the same time, that's up the legislature to kind of figure out. But um, <clears throat> here in Washington, to your point, the question here is whether Republicans are going to do anything meaningful. I mean that seriously, meaningful with our time here. And uh, the effort right now by the swamp, by the establishment, if you will, by the defense industrial complex and the intel community, is they want the status quo to stay, or frankly, they want more powers. Jenna, I'm a former federal prosecutor. Anybody who's been in law enforcement knows, you know, you want as much information as you can get on bad guys, like all the time. But the, the constitutional limitation on going after your personal uh, effects, your personal information, uh, you know, being protected, uh, that's there for a reason. And it goes way back in the, in the history uh, to John Wilkes, and Mike Lee talks about it very well, about why it's an important provision of our constitutional protections to say that the state just can't come get whatever information they want. There were many guys I knew were bad guys when I was a prosecutor, but I couldn't just go sifting around through their stuff. And that principle is at play right now. Uh, FISA reauthorization uh, is not uh, acceptable, yet many Republicans are just going to go along with just simply reauthorizing it. Now, you are correct. We have stopped the stupid uh, uh, efforts to put two competing bills up that uh, would have uh, probably yielded a worse product that would have uh, expanded FISA. We have ma- managed to slow that down. But nevertheless, the Speaker is proceeding with a reauthorization of FISA attached to the watered-down National Defense Authorization Act. Now, this is a bill that does nothing to stop transgender surgery funding in the Department of Defense, does nothing to stop abortion tourism, does nothing to really meaningfully stop diversity, equity, inclusion. It took out all the provisions we put in to abolish positions like the chief diversity officers and all of the woke programs at DOD. It continues to authorize Ukraine funding. It continues to do all of the things that we wanted to stop at DOD with maybe one or two exceptions. And then they add FISA to it. And now Republicans are going to join the Democrats to pass that before we get out at the end of the year, which I think is an abomination and will continue FISA until really the spring of 2025. So Mike Lee and some conservatives in the Freedom Caucus were working hard to try to stop that. Uh, we'll see. I hope Mike Johnson will um, not put that down on the floor. And so so Congress is only in session until uh, the end of this week, but there's a potential, uh, at least there are reports suggesting that Speaker Johnson said that the House could come back next week uh, primarily to pass the border deal, but he's seen uh, no Biden offer on the topic, um, this coming from a Bloomberg reporter. So uh, how, how much of a time crunch is this in? And if there's not something that's actually good 
uh, for the House to pass, um, what would happen to FISA? Would it just not be refunded? And I think, um, you know, a lot of conservatives would would prefer that than this kind of unconstitutional surveillance that we've seen coming out of the FISA court over the last several years. Yeah, right now, the world will not end if the National Defense Authorization Act is not reauthorized while we continue to debate trying to make it actually a good bill. Uh, The world's not going to end if FISA is not immediately reauthorized by January 1. First, some of their powers exist under Article 1 of the Constitution anyway, uh, if not all of the powers. Uh, 702 is primarily a limit on that power. Uh, Those those limitations uh, will still remain in place through April. Um, nothing, the world's not going to end if we let it lapse. Um, and we probably should in order to fight to get the policy right. Um, and, and importantly, uh, this nonsense that we're going to come back next week to somehow deal with border in Ukraine, I think that's just messaging by Speaker Johnson appropriately that the president's MIA refuses to do his job on the border. So, no, we're not going to come back and do that. He's just saying, well, we could, but the president's not going to sit down and negotiate with us. Look, the bottom line is, my position here would be pretty simple. I would not put the NDAA on the floor. If I put anything down on FISA, it would be a you know, modest two-week extension just to call the Senate's bluff. I would not put anything down until we got people in a room, smashed out to get a really good reform bill, sit down and um, put that reform bill that will actually protect civil liberties down on the floor of the House and send it to the Senate. Um, but that's currently not where we are. Right now, we're in this posture of moving a defense bill that's with reauthorization that will continue the spying on or allowing the government to have the powers to spy on on the American people, which we should not allow. Absolutely not. And I'm speaking with Congressman Chip Roy from the great state of Texas. And how strong uh, do you think that Speaker Johnson is in uh, in getting the slim Republican majority uh, to to actually go after what is correct on this and uh, rather than uh, just just caving to some of the Democrats that want to see a lot of this pushed through that is weak and watered down. Well, we'll see how this plays out again. As I've said many times, Mike is a friend. He's a good man, a person of faith. I know where he wants to take us. But unfortunately, this town is wired to rule by fear, to rule by crisis. And so it's it's designed such that if you're going to, you know, you're going to get more in terms of the power of government, if you go up right up to the 11th hour, Christmas or end of the year, right before expiration, and cry the world's, you know, going to collapse, the sky is falling, to get what you want. And that's what I hope Speaker Johnson will not succumb to. Um, The only way to get reforms here is to tell the intel community, the intel world, no, the world's not going to implode if you don't get what you want. You're going to sit down in a room. You're going to work this out. We're going to protect civil liberties or the thing's going to lapse. That's what I would say. But I'm not sure if the speaker will do that. Right now, it looks like we're going to have a defense bill put on the floor that has all of those things I just described to you. I want to say that out loud. Republicans are going to advance the defense bill that doesn't end abortion tourism, that doesn't stop transgender surgeries, that continues wokeness, that still allows race to be considered in admissions at the academies. And we're going to add FISA authorization on the back of it. That's what we're currently going to do if voters don't stop it, and we ought to stop it. So what can voters do to help stop this? Because I think everyone listening is thinking, well, then what good is it to even have a Republican majority if this is what Republicans are poised to pass? Yeah, great question. Um, Voters need to let their members of Congress know, do not reauthorize FISA and reauthorize or, or, or the Department of Defense 
without the reforms that we need. In other words, oppose what they're going to put on the floor this week. When that goes, if we can kill that, it will force us to the table to deal with FISA, that is the intelligence surveillance, um, the way we should deal with it. And so how does that work practically? Is this solely uh, the speaker's call in terms of bringing this to the floor, or should everyone be calling their members of Congress? And and what would be the most effective way to get this killed? Um, Yes, that is true. It is up to the speaker to put it on the floor. Um, So I would be calling members of Congress that their members need to tell the speaker, don't put it on the floor, or I'm going to vote no. Uh, If the speaker knows he doesn't have the votes, then he's not going to proceed. He has the votes. He's going to go ahead and proceed, and he's basically going to shrug and say, well, the best we could do in this environment. I don't think it is. I would hold. I would force this to the table to pass good FISA reform and then move on to the spending fight in January. Stop governing by crisis. Yeah. And, you know, this reminds me that the exact same thing happened on a much smaller scale in the Colorado state legislature when the reauthorization of the Colorado Civil Rights Commission, the the modern day star chamber that uh, targets Christians who are who will object to being forcibly compelled uh, to speak like the cake baker, 303 creative and all of that. Uh, when there was still a one seat uh, Republican majority in the Senate, the reauthorization bill came up and there could have been reforms attached. But Republicans caved and nothing happened. And and everything was just reauthorized, allowing that to go through and to continue to be that star chamber for Christians in Colorado. And that gave rise to the 303 creative case, a lot of other things we've seen out of Colorado. So state legislatures function this dysfunctionally as well. And it's really unfortunate, uh, Representative Chip Roy, that we're seeing this as well on Capitol Hill. And so I would encourage everyone listening uh, to be praying and to also um, encourage members like uh, Chip Roy and also representative good that we had yesterday to stand firm and to fight the good fight um so how many do we need in order uh, to get this bill killed and you know what does the landscape actually look like well they're going to try to pass it by what's called suspension which means the rules get set aside and they just pull it up in order to do that you have to pass it with two-thirds of the vote of present voting that means if they have 290 votes or something close to it they can pass it uh, if all Republicans oppose it, of course, it would go down. Um, if 140 or so Republicans oppose it, it will go down. We think there are some Democrats that will oppose it because they don't like any NDAA, and they don't like uh, – some of them don't like the FISA extension as well from a sort of civil liberties perspective. So um, we might be able to get the numbers with a certain number of Republicans and Democrats. That is my hope. I think we need 100-plus Republicans. If we, can get a, if we can get half of Republicans to oppose this nonsense – to oppose a politically correct defense department, a watered-down NDAA in which we get rolled, and we're not changing our defense, and stop a uh, reauthorization of FISA for basically you know 16 months, then we can stop this thing, I think. But we need Republicans to stand up and actually do what they said they would do. Uh, we need Republicans to stand up, and we need voters uh, to call their members of Congress now and get engaged in the process. So, Representative Chip Roy, always appreciate your time. Thank you for your bold stand for the truth and for civil liberties on Capitol Hill. We are very, very grateful for you. We'll be right back with more Thanks. here on Jenna Ellis in the Morning. We want
want to welcome a new sponsor to American Family Radio, and I hope you give them your full support, and that's Christian Healthcare Ministries, chministries.org. If you're like most of us, you're feeling the strain of rising healthcare costs. Well, good news, Christian Healthcare Ministries may be the answer you're looking for. CHM is an affordable, faith-based option to traditional healthcare that provides members the freedom to choose doctors without worrying about networks or waiting periods since they are not insurance. Can you say freedom? CHM is the longest serving health cost sharing ministry and has been around for over 40 years, helping Christians pay for and pray for one another's medical bills. They are tried and true and have members in all 50 states and around the world and have covered billions in medical bills. Members not only get advantages from the affordability, flexibility, and reliability of CHM, but they also receive access to 24-7 telehealth services at no additional cost. It's no surprise that doctors across the country appreciate working with CHM, and so will you. Make the switch today by visiting chministries.org slash AFR. That's chministries.org slash AFR. Welcome back to Jenna Ellis in the Morning on American Family Radio. Welcome back. And if you are keeping up with TikTok or uh, the current trends of the younger generation, then you may have heard of something called a trad wife or a traditional wife or traditional housewife, which in uh, recent kind of a gen, uh, gen Zers have denoted a woman who believes in and practices traditional uh, sex roles in marriages. And this has become kind of a... a um, a cultural phenomenon <laughs> that uh, the emphasis and focus on the traditional gender roles and the woman uh, staying in the home and uh, taking care of the children and all of that has become something that a lot of young people are saying should not be uh, diminished and should be a pushback against feminism and the entire sexual revolution that said that women are exactly like men and that women don't need men and that women uh, can go out and uh, pursue their careers exactly like men. So there was a segment last night that I was watching on uh, primetime with Jesse Waters on Fox News where this was discussed and I want to play this full clip and it's about five minutes long but they go through kind of what a trad wife is and and he has a couple of clips from a uh, a former feminist who said that she had felt lied to by feminism because she's actually about my age she's still a single and suggesting that uh, this whole idea of the culture was completely lying to her and then uh, Jesse Waters plays a couple of uh, of clips from actual feminists and uh, the world view in this is just insanely sad and then he brings on a guest who is a trad wife and kind of gets her perspective so I want to play this full clip and I want you to listen and be thinking about what the Bible actually says about marriage and what we would consider traditional quote-unquote gender roles and they kind of say this harkens back to the 1950s uh, but really how should we think about the trad wife now in culture, comparing and contrasting that to the biblical worldview. So listen to this. The year was 1992. The race was heating up between Bill Clinton and George Bush when Hillary Clinton opened her mouth and said this. I suppose I could have stayed home and baked cookies and had teas, but I, what I decided to do was to fulfill my profession, which I entered before my husband was in public life. Now, a lot of American women didn't like that, and Hillary, who usually doesn't clean, 
had to clean it up. But in 2016, she made it a rallying cry, thanks to Beyonce. Now, primetime doesn't speak for women, but some women who manage kids in the household have been made to feel guilty about their decision. And generations of women listened to Hillary's message and told themselves they don't need or want a family. Now, some of them are having regrets. I feel unbelievably betrayed by feminism. I was constantly fed this idea that women can do everything. We don't really need men. I grew up thinking, and men are great, but like, I can do all the same things. Like, I really, I really feel, I do feel in many ways betrayed by that line of thinking. But a new movement is trying to end all that. They call themselves trad wives, as in traditional wife. In these relationships, the women manage the children and the house while the man pursues his career. If you are not familiar with the term trad wife, it is a woman who chooses to live a more traditional life with ultra traditional gender roles. So the man goes outside the house, works, provides for the family. The woman stays home and she's the homemaker. She takes care of the home and the children. We believe our place, specifically us as individuals, believe our purpose is to be homemakers. But trad wives say they're now under attack. CNN thinks the trad wives are white supremacists. <laughs> While other outlets say they're romanticizing an era where sexism and racism ruled. And people are very angry. Women had to fight to get those roles because of like the bioessentials that trad wives spout. Like, you're not special. The life that you glorify, part of the history of the uh, literally exploitation and subjugation of women. Kind of an arrangement can be very dangerous and leave you very vulnerable. We need to decentralize men. Cis hetero women will be fully free of the patriarchy when they stop valuing marriage and traditionalism as a way to save them from the isolating, crippling loneliness that is capitalism. Those women don't seem happy. But primetime supports women. No one is a bigger supporter of women than primetime. Some would say primetime supports women too much. And that's something I don't mind being accused of. Women need to do what's best for women, and married couples need to do what's best for married couples. Men and women support each other in different ways. What works for a few women doesn't work for all women. And we know it's worked for men and women for many, many years. Esty Williams is a self-proclaimed trad wife, and she joins me now. All right, so Esty, what is your daily routine like? Um, I always wake up, and I like to get myself ready, and I think that's very important because if you're going to be home, you really gotta you gotta put forth the effort to to make yourself presentable. I think that the apron and the house dress is like a great uniform to kind of get yourself in the right mindset to get to your daily tasks, to cook, clean, do your thing. Okay, so cook, clean, you get dressed up and made up in the morning, and then your husband comes home from work, and what's that like? We always eat dinner together, and we go work out. We, um, we enjoy watching our favorite shows together, and it's just quality time after work, which is great because I'm able to be home when he comes home to do those things. And you're recently married and you're looking to have children. When people criticize you, do you understand that hatred? 
Um, I think it comes from a place of not understanding. We are newlyweds and we do plan on having children. I think that the first year or two of marriage is a really great time to get to know each other a lot better and to set the foundation of your marriage and then bring kids on when you're ready. And I think that the traditional housewife is kind of under attack right now because of feminism and um, definitely the 1950s housewife narrative. <laughs> I believe many women um, have different roles to uptake and I think that having a career is beautiful. I have two sisters who are taking on their careers. I have a doctor as a sister and I have another sister who's involved in politics and one of my sisters is even um, a mother and a wife and she she's figured out a way to do it all. She's happy and I think that that's okay and I'm happy doing just what I'm doing, being a wife. All right. So uh, that is the, the breakdown of the contrast between the feminists who suggest that we have fought for a long time to have these rights and have these roles in society not be diminished. And the trad wives are just completely obliterating all of this and going back to the 1950s. And then you have uh, the woman who is the self-described uh, trad wife just saying, well, this is going back to the uniforms and putting on the apron and so forth. So one of the things that I didn't hear at all in any of that segment is a discussion of what the Bible actually talks about in terms of the roles between men and women and how we need to contemplate as Christians what a marriage actually looks like. So this isn't just about gender roles. It's not just about uh, feminism versus trad wife and what we think is best individually, and we're free to choose. If we think that feminism is best for us, as, as this trad wife goes on and says, I have sisters who are who are doing all of that. That's good for them. But, you know, this is what's good for me. And nowhere in there was suggesting that there's actually a moral biblical standard. That's what we always have to go back to. And if we go to Genesis 2, of course, in Genesis 1:27, uh, that is when God creates man in his own image. And then in Genesis 2, the Lord said, and this starts in verse 18, it is not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. So the woman was designed to be a helper to the man. And so God uh, created woman out of the rib of man. And uh, man, the man said in verse 23, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman for she was taken out of man. That is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife and they become one flesh. And so the initial calling of the, the marital union, which is the first institution ordained by God. We talk about the three institutions of government a lot on this show, which is the family government that is being established here in Genesis 2. Genesis uh, 2.24, the man leaves his father and mother, is united to his wife, they become one flesh. That is the start of the family unit. And then you have the church government, of course, which we see uh, in the New Testament that, uh, that God establishes. And then we also see the civil government, which uh, is talked about in Romans 13 and a number of other places in terms of the civil governing authorities. But we go back to Genesis for the very first institution, which is marriage. And then Ephesians 5 talks about 
uh, God's example and also instructions for the Christian household. So this is starting Ephesians 5 verse 1. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But among you, there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity or of greed, because these are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. For of this you can be sure, no immoral, impure, or greedy person, such a person is an idolater has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of such things, God's wrath comes upon those who are disobedient. Therefore, do not be partners with them. For for you were once darkness, but you are now light in the Lord. Live as the children of light. For the fruit of light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord." Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. It is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. But everything is exposed by the light becomes visible, and everything that is illuminated becomes a light. That is why it is said, wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then this goes on in verse uh, 21 in Ephesians 5. Instructions for Christian households. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. This is one of the one another verses that we see of living in not only the church, in community with fellow believers, all of the one another's. We gather uh, together and we exhort one another. Um, This is within the church family, but this is specifically within the family unit. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body for which he is the Savior. Now the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. This talks about legitimate submission when the husband is submitting himself also to Christ. There can be uh, requests from husbands that are illegitimate for wives to submit to because we are called first and foremost, to submit to Christ. Goes on to say, Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, to make her holy, cleansing her by washing with the water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body just as Christ does the church, for we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. Verse 31 is going back to Genesis and invoking that and saying instructions for Christian households for this reason. 
and the institution that God has ordained. It goes on to say this is a profound mystery, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you must also love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Now, if you are a single person like me and saying, well, you know, how can you possibly have commentary on what um, husbands and wives should do because, you know, you, Jenna, aren't married or I'm not married, so I don't know, um, you know, necessarily what I think yet about what type of relationship I want. Well, the writer of Ephesians, Paul, was not married either, but he knew what the scripture said. And he also, um, obviously, with instruction from the Holy Spirit, is giving the instructions for the family unit. So we as Christians can always proclaim truth. This is an absolute lie that we have to participate in every uh, in every experience before we can have commentary on it. Um, just like men can comment about pro-life, they don't have to say, well, no uterus, no opinion. We can always speak truth about what the Bible says, and we can always encourage the correct institutions that God has ordained under his divine law. He gives specific limited authority, and this is what he is talking about in Ephesians and then going back to Genesis, talking about the family unit and the family institution. And so it, it isn't about a about feminism versus trad wife versus are you wearing your apron looking like the 1950s? Are you necessarily at home versus working? This is all about submission to what the Lord instructs for the family unit. And what I would have loved to see Jesse Waters say, and, and I'm glad that they're talking at least about the contrast to feminism, which is a an antithetical worldview to, to the Bible, but to actually say, well, what does the Bible require of the family unit? And that is what is the most important. And so we have to always look as men and women to what the Bible calls us to do, which is to put our family first and foremost, that is our primary ministry. So we need to make sure that we are always looking to the biblical worldview first. We'll be right back with more here on Jenna Ellis in the Morning. Finally, some good news. Because of you, Preborn has rescued over 44,000 babies this year alone. Right now, thousands of mothers are awaiting birth of their precious babies, and thousands upon thousands of babies are taking their first breath. Since its beginnings, Preborn's Networks of Clinics has rescued over 270,000 babies. That is a miracle. The overturning of Roe versus Wade only made the left more ravenous for the blood of the innocent. So now we need to be more passionate to save babies. Thanks to Preborn, we can do just that. For $28, you can empower a mother to choose life. Once she sees the precious life growing inside of her and hears her baby's heartbeat, she is twice as likely to choose life. And right now, through your match, your gift is doubled. Please give your most generous gift that will go 100% toward life. Just dial pound 250 and say the keyword baby. That's pound 250 baby or go to preborn.com. That's preborn.com. Welcome back to Jenna Ellis in the Morning on American Family Radio. 
Well, free speech platforms that host more conservative views are under attack, and the Rumble CEO confirms quote-unquote unprecedented attack on free speech platform servers and suspects a political motive. So on Monday, the Rumble CEO, Chris Pavzlovsky, revealed that the free speech platform had been the victim of an unprecedented attack. He suggested it was being carried out by those who seek to censor Rumble's creators and could be related to the platform's willingness to host certain videos, such as footage of the January 6th Capitol riot. And so this uh, comes from the post-millennial. And uh, there is a lot of uh, conversation around um, free speech platforms and now a lot of leftist uh, views on X for Elon Musk uh, not only hosting free speech and uh, wanting this to be the most uh, free speech platform, the greatest free speech platform in the world, but now actually bringing back Alex Jones after, uh, of course, he was held uh, civilly liable in the Sandy Hook uh, defamation case and had, um, you know, a lot of other people would term it conspiracy theories, other views and opinions that uh, maybe aren't preferred by the establishment left and maybe aren't even preferred by some conservatives, but he has those views. And he was brought back uh, this week on X. And a lot of people have a lot of different opinions about it and saying that, you know, this is going to give rise to, you know, misinformation on social media. But um, of course, conservatives understand that more speech is better than just preferring viewpoints that are uh, preferred by the establishment regime and the petty tyrants in D.C. and censoring viewpoints that are not preferred. So joining me now to break this down is our good friend Christian Lasval, who is the social media manage at, manager at the Heritage Foundation. So, um, Christian, I want to talk about overall, you know, some of these attacks against uh, some of these free speech platforms like Rumble. Do we know any more about um, who could have perpetuated this and how exactly this is occurring? I wish that we did, and I hope that the Rumble executives are able to source where these attacks came from so they can figure out how to make sure it doesn't happen again. This is not the first time something like this has happened to a conservative, particularly free speech platform. Uh, I recall when What is a Woman, Daily Wire, specifically Matt Walsh's documentary, came out a little over a year ago, I think now, or about a year ago now. When they first launched the live stream, Daily Wire uh, took on a concerted attack to flood their servers so that the program could not stream out to their viewers. It seems like something similar happened to Rumble yesterday. Now, in addition to this happening yesterday, we know that China actually launched a numerous cyber attacks throughout the United States, although those seem to have been aimed at critical U.S. infrastructure. So in the tech realm right now, we have angry leftists who are not happy with the fact that they're losing their iron grip over what opinions can be heard by the public and seem to be attacking occasionally platforms like the Daily Wire or like Rumble so that these free speech uh, ideas cannot be heard by the general public. And we have hostile foreign powers who are trying to dominate the global stage and take down the United States as the world's leading superpower, attacking our criti critical infrastructure. So across the realm of big tech, uh, conservatives and particularly patriotic Americans are facing a numerous number of threats coming from domestic enemies and foreign as well. So I hope that the Rumble tech executives are able to source where this came from, but more importantly, better equip their servers so that something like this doesn't happen again. If you recall when uh, Parler was still a social media site, 
they were taken down by Amazon and Apple in another concerted effort because their servers were built on Amazon servers. Rumble has tried their best to do this independently of big tech companies so that they can't take them down just by shutting down their servers. So I certainly hope that they're able to uh, further pad up their infrastructure like Daily Wire did after the What is a Woman attack uh, so that whoever it was that tried to do this and stop their servers and their videos from being able to be watched, uh, they can't do it again. Yeah, and this this is really concerning, and especially when you have um, foreign enemies going after critical infrastructure, it would seem like uh, Capitol Hill should take that fairly seriously. But even in the conversations about artificial intelligence and some of the tech policy that uh, really isn't coming out of Capitol Hill, it seems like maybe uh, Capitol Hill, a lot of these um, these legislators are, are maybe uh, not understanding the the modern technology or exactly how critical this is uh what is what is the position from capitol hill i mean why are they not uh, paying more attention to this i will say that some on capitol hill are trying to pay more attention to this there are certainly conservatives who are paying attention to this and want more done but unfortunately the leadership that we're getting from the white house and the biden administration their top priority is the climate crisis. I wish I were making this up, but if you recall back to when Joe Biden was speaking at the United Nations General Assembly, he spoke about wanting to increase partnerships with China and cooperate with China. And the only thing that he referred to as a dire threat was the climate crisis. So they're more focused on taking away your gas car, your gas stove, essentially transforming Western civilization under the so-called climate crisis rather than paying attention to the actual threats that we're facing from foreign entities like China, who, as we saw yesterday, are directly trying to attack our critical infrastructure. I'm sorry, but the temperature that it is outside is very highly contested among scientists that there is not actually a climate crisis, but that is far less important than whether or not you have clean water running through your pipes, whether or not you have electricity to heat your home, and whether or not you have foreign adversaries shutting down access to the internet, God forbid, that would cost the country an incredible amount of money. It would grind our civilization to a halt. When it comes to medical care and hospitals, it could lead to the deaths of many people who rely on this on equipment that is connected to the internet or connected to electricity in order to function and keep these people alive. All of that is far more important than a so-called climate crisis, which is not a crisis, but that is the priority of this administration. It is figuring out how to uh, take out racism from our transportation department, as uh, Pete Buttigieg so adamantly likes to talk about, um, and figure out how to unilaterally eliminate gas-powered vehicles rather than securing the United States and our people from actual threats that are coming from foreign entities who would want to grind our infrastructure, electronic and otherwise, to a halt and cause great harm to the American people. So we're not getting the leadership from the White House that's necessary. And then, of course, their uh, left-wing members in Congress also are focused on the same priorities. Uh, They aren't doing what's necessary to make sure they can protect the American people from these threats. 
Yeah, and, and isn't uh, wasn't it Greta Thunberg who you know is the the leftist um, held up you know spokesperson on climate change had to delete a tweet saying that the world was ending in it was like 2022 or 2023 and oops we were wrong so you know we'll just we'll just push that out another 10 years and you know we've been seeing from like the AOCs and the Al Gore's of the world that you know the climate crisis should have ended the world I, I think probably 20 years ago yet here we are and they're still flying around in their private jets but you know nobody seems to uh, point out that hypocrisy on the left. Um, but when we when we look at um, the the presidential election and, you know, hopefully getting a conservative back into the White House, uh, both uh, the Trump campaign as well as the DeSantis campaign and um, even Vivek Ramaswamy as well have talked about um, tech policy, a digital bill of rights, uh, some of these things that would at least uh, ensure that free speech could uh, continue to exist. There's not censorship like what we've seen um, that has come out through the Twitter files, the uh, the Missouri versus Biden case. And so, uh, Christian Lossville, um, do you think that the what has been articulated from the presidential campaigns uh, with respect to some of the tech policy goes far enough in ensuring that conservatives um, who, who may obtain the White House in 2024 understand this threat? I think what we've been hearing from some of the conservative candidates is certainly far and beyond better than what we're getting from current company in the White House. And that may be largely in part uh, to the fact that a lot of these early AI systems are being developed by leftists. And so they have a left wing bias already that works in current White House party's favor. And so they're not as intent on trying to correct it when the answers that are going to be generated by these AI systems and the recommendations that are going to be put out by them favor their existing agendas. So everything that the conservative candidates have put out is going to be better than what we're getting from from current company in the White House and current majority in the U.S. Senate. Uh, But it is important that we protect Americans' privacy, particularly, and the ability for these AI systems to make a plethora of fake content remarkably easily. Uh, AI technology is advancing quickly, It is advancing faster than most people can understand it. And it's in a way self-taught. So uh, take, for example, Grok, which is X's new uh, AI platform, which in my opinion is the best one out of the chat GPT types because it doesn't seem to have the same woke left-wing bias as a lot of the other AI platforms do. But it uses all of the existing content on, on X to constantly teach itself. And the other AI sources are doing similar, but they might be gathering more of their information from places like the New York Times or the Washington Post, or maybe left-wing research papers that are constantly feeding it its new ideas. Ultimately, these are just computers. So what you teach it is what it's going to put back out. Uh, But you can also do that for nefarious purposes. You think of creating fake child pornography, or say the pictures that you've posted of your children that aren't inappropriate in any way whatsoever. They're just family pictures that you have up on Facebook that people can use for nefarious purposes and use AI to generate images as though your children were with uh, not wearing any clothing and use that in a child pornography market, even though it's not real. You think of deep fakes. You can make videos of people saying things that they aren't actually saying. Think of the consequences of that for a political campaign, but more importantly, for global purposes. I recall a couple of months ago, somebody faked an image of the Pentagon coming under attack using AI. There was no marking on the on the AI-generated image that it was a fake image, and several reporters actually posted 
that this attack was a real thing. They all had to correct the record. But think of the implications that that could have from a national security perspective if those kinds of images can be generated and those who generate them have no responsibility or consequence for what happens as a result of their fake generated image. So the safety of Americans' privacy, protecting the innocence of children in particular and all Americans, as well as the national security of our country, are all a factor when it comes to these AI systems. And right now, it's kind of an open season. There aren't that many rules, if any at all. And our members of Congress have to wake up and recognize that not only do we need privacy rights for that, transparency so that people know what is AI generated versus what is authentic, but you have countries like China. I keep going back to this because they are very open about the fact that they want to beat out the United States as the world's leading superpower. They are quickly developing with AI for their nefarious control purposes. China already has massive surveillance state in their country watching their people. With AI now, that gets taken to a whole new level. And if they get to be the leaders on the forefront of this AI development, that's the kind of technology that's going to be exported. Further surveillance state, massive government control style technology coming from China. The U.S. has the opportunity to curb that and lead in the development of AI for better purposes. But Congress is simply not taking up the mantle yet. And I fear that it's going to take until something bad happens and it's, quote unquote, too late before they finally start to take this seriously. Yeah, I'm speaking with uh, Christian Lossfall, who's the social media manager at the Heritage Foundation. And I think you're right. And and, uh, Chip Roy was on the show uh, earlier in the program and was saying that even that Capitol Hill doesn't really uh, run unless there is an emergency or there is some kind of um, instance that now they have to act. And it would seem uh, more appropriate and wiser to act on this as a preventative measure. But um, unfortunately, that doesn't seem to be the case. But you mentioned Grok, which is uh, X's AI platform that Elon Musk is developing. Um, How important of a tool is this, um, or could it be in terms of uh, making sure that not all AI is just leftist and woke and pulling from those leftist sources? I think it's vitally important. A lot of these AI systems, they are a tool. They can be great helps to the existing work that we already do much in the same way a computer was a new advancement in human technology that we don't even think twice about it. Everybody has a laptop now, and we all use it to access all sorts of information and get all sorts of work done. AI is kind of a new frontier in that regard, that it it can be used as a tool to help make the existing work that we already do easier. But having one that doesn't appear to have the same woke bias that something like a chat GPT would have is very important because when people use it as a source for information, much like in the 2016 and 2020 elections where we know Google was changing the results of searches to favor certain results about particular candidates versus others painting one more favorably and one less, AI can do the same thing. When you're trying to find different answers for things, if somebody's not willing to look beyond what the AI system might generate in return, they can present, they can be their own mini indoctrination centers where people don't have the full picture of the information they're looking for because the people who program the AI have told it not to share that. Grok seems to be beyond that, at least for now, where it will give you a wide array of different opinions and it admits that it has errors and you need to do further research. Whereas, which is good, for example, if you were to 
Sorry. Yeah. So, yeah, I said, which is good. And, and we'll have to in uh, this segment there. And Christian Lossville, always really appreciate your time. And this is why, as conservatives, we can't just go with the bandwagon fallacies of, hey, it's on the Internet. It must be true. We need to think for ourselves and understand the implicit bias of these systems. So that is all the time we have for Jenna Ellis in the morning. You can always reach me and my team, Jenna, at AFR.net. Make it a great day for the Lord. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio. I want to thank my sponsors, Preborn and Christian Healthcare Ministries. Preborn Network Clinics have rescued over 200,000 babies from abortion, and every day they save 200 babies' lives. But they can't do it without our help. Will you head over to preborn.com AFR and sponsor an ultrasound? Christian Healthcare Ministries is the longest-serving health cost-sharing ministry, helping Christians pay for and pray for one another's medical bills. Make the switch today and start saving. Visit chministries.org/afr. That's chministries.org/afr.